I don't know, man. Like, we got so many recruits into MC because people didn't like how toxic PL was. Like, now that PL's not toxic anymore, I don't know where we're going to get members. Same place you normally find them? The dumpster? You're killing me, man. Welcome to Declarations of War. Once again, I am your host, Alexei Card, joined by my co-host, Yin Tan. Howdy, howdy. And Artemis Elbosa. What? Yin Tan shows up for an episode? I know. Right. Welcome back, Yin. Yeah, you know, things have been tight time-wise between doing Alliance things and trying to get a degree. Well, we very much appreciate you spending your time with us here on the show and with our wonderful audience out there all over the world international first off some shout outs only a shout out to the capitalist army mining crew uh we've got some really hardcore miners out there who have been clearing moon rocks getting me those sweet sweet evaporate deposits in what have you been doing with those evaporate deposits have you been reacting them perchance uh well <laughs> that was the plan until they spiked like 3x the price and then you, and then you didn't react to them like a fool, uh, like a fool, and just sold them. No, you sell them while the selling's good. You can always react them later. If you sell you them now at the inflated price, you can then buy them in the future when they go back down and react that, and you get the best of both worlds. Ah, mm. you see, now that's that's some next level thinking. <laughs> but yeah, uh, my main shout out today is going to be just to the fucking Eve London crew. I went down to Eve London because. I, I, you know, I enjoy going and getting fucked up, as any student does, and uh, I went there and got extra super fucked up, and everyone else bought me drinks. It was great. I had a super long discussion with a couple of people about faction warfare that was wonderful, like, super enjoyed that. Yeah, like, great events. Always go to them if you can, dudes. Artemis? My shout-out goes to Lave for starting up the After Aids Club. Yeah, just came off that fleet, very enjoyable. It was uh, a salt frigate fleet, which you know is always near and dear to my heart. <laughs> so thanks to Lee for putting oh, that what together. What are you using? You can't you can't just drop out that it was an AF fleet and not tell me. It which was one. all of the AFs. Oh god. Yeah, it was a, a menagerie of AFs. It was a shield menagerie of AFs, but included like assault frigates <laughs> that really shouldn't be shield fit. At How all? many shield NUs were there? Uh, was it shield NUs or shield Ishkers? It was one of those two. Yo, we had shield Ishkas, isn't that just an Ishtar, but like scaled down? I'm down for that. Fucking Ishtar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had shield in. wolves. Ishtars were used. I saw a battle report. Goons were using them against somebody. What year is this? I know, right? Ah, uh, and of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, Eve Onion. Eve Onion, the only place where you can get the exclusive story of the Goon Civil War. That's right. Goons declaring war on other goons. No other EVE media outlet is brave enough to tackle this story. But EVE Onion has the exclusive. EVEonion.com. We break the news of EVE Online. Okay, let's get into the poll. We asked, do you believe CCP considers growing EVE a core business interest? And Yin, it was so sad not to have you on the last episode, although it was probably 
things you cannot talk about, I assume. I would really rather not talk about stuff that's related to CCP's business interests. Yeah, I, I figured. But your presence was large knowledge of that. <laughs> so we asked the audience what they believe. 50% of our audience believes that it's not a core business interest. That's a public relations problem, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is definitely the most divisive question we've ever had on the Declaration Support Podcast poll. Straight up 50-50 split. That's certainly the, the one we've had the most split on in a while. I will say that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, I'll just say for my part, I voted no. As much as I'm enjoying EVE right now, I... I don't think CCP actually treats EVE like a flagship product. And I mean, that's a shame. I don't know if you can say that after the alpha changes. Like, those send a pretty strong message that they want more people playing EVE Online, the video game. But they're not backing that up with anything. I mean, they did kind of just, like, fire all of their marketing staff, so that's exactly. something to do with it. Yeah, that's a kind of a blunder, to be honest. I, I don't. Well, if you've already have an alpha character, great. Uh, if you've never heard of Eve Online, we're gonna keep it that way for a while. Yeah, that's that's not great. Plus, I'm not convinced that giving alpha clones a path to get better ships if they pay for it is really a pro growth strategy in terms of user, like new users and retention. It may be nice for their microtransaction monetization scheme, but clearly they're not reinvesting that in anything that grows the game. So my guess is they'll probably have uh, some other game or some other project that they're going to put money into. That, that's an interesting point, actually. Why do you say they aren't investing in the game? They did hire an entire new dev team, like, a couple of months ago. Is that not investment? Or are you talking about... The what dev team team's? was that? Um, uh, Team Event Horizon. They're the guys who made uh, Resource Wars. Actually, were they the guys who made Resource Wars? Or was... Um, I think they made Resource Wars. It was them or Genesis, but they've been heavily involved in PvE. Yeah, and so these are uh, brand new devs, not just reshuffled around from other nope, teams. Brand new devs. Really nice guy too. Um, he's an old Dark Age of Camelot player. And basically was in the CSM, uh, or the CSM equivalent in Dark Age of Camelot. So he kind of understands a lot about the position that I'm in and kind of respects that, which I love. Because it makes him so fucking easy to work with. That's pretty cool. It's confusing. What do you mean it's confusing? I mean... Well, I mean, Artemis go and then I'll... I was just going to say, like, if you look at it from the perspective that we all assumed was the case when they pushed alphas or when they made alphas and then didn't do a big marketing push, which is they're trying to get things right and then they push it out so that they don't, like, give people a bad taste and they just go away forever, then maybe what they're doing makes sense. But I can certainly understand the position where you think, okay, CCP, you've been waiting long enough to get this right. Clearly it's not happening and you're just not caring anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's not really our place to advise CCP on business decisions. Uh, it is literally your place to do so. <laughs> huh? I mean, no, not on business decisions, on fucking game dev decisions, sure, but... 
I would say, well, I mean, I don't know how it is on the CSM now, but certainly on, when 7 was coming around, those two were inextricably linked, like decisions that affected EVE and business decisions by CCP. And they kind of ignored the CSM at their peril. Unfortunately, of, like, the, the, bad the things game happen. and CCP as a company have changed a lot since you were at the CSM. Hmm. Like, uh, I don't want to... Uh, we'll talk off-air about this, because it's very, very NDA stuff. Uh, you shouldn't talk to me at all, then, because my NDA expired. Not, not, not like that NDA, but like to do with the internal structure of CCP, which is obviously something that CCP doesn't want out in the air. Well, you know something that is out in the air about their structure? They're hiring a community dev for Project Nova. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Which, that's probably where the alpha money's going. I'm gonna guess. Ripping pieces. Yeah, that was a, <laughs> that was like a super bad bit of timing for fucking CCP. Like, oh. Yeah, like, I mean the like the reason why I say it's it's confusing is because. Okay, if it... they have hired more devs for it, I then question how CCP understands, like product growth as a concept because they can make all the resource wars they want but it's not going to like attract a new customer no one's going to go oh a resource war yeah get into that i mean maybe yeah, they just don't, I don't care think... i mean at the end of the day that's not you know resource wars is more oh this is our this is our first job as a dev team let's kind of see what we can do with this and I actually don't think that was them either. They're more involved in the um, the, the kind of like recurring stuff, like the uh, agency and stuff like that. That's been more of their wheelhouse, if I remember correctly. But I, I like I'd need to sit down and actually go find the logs for this if I was going to actually answer you properly. But I mean, just in general, like there's no, they're they're not big flagship features combined with a marketing push that's going to put that feature's identity and concept in front of people that haven't heard Eve before. Sure, but what about moon mining? Is that not something that you could consider? Like, I know that to us it seems pretty fucking big. Uh, um, like I'd that, say that it could potentially be in that class. I would say it has the potential to be in that class. I but people where's the marketing push? I think people just underestimate the amount of work that CCP's put into the game. Like, it feels to me like they don't recognize that, oh yeah, Citadels were a fucking huge deal. They literally took two years out of their product to fix pauses. And yeah, they're not perfect, but they are there. We no longer have to deal with pauses long term. No, Citadels are great, and I, if I haven't made it clear, I want to re restate that the refinery and moon mining, like everything about it from top to bottom, from the structures to the graphics to the mechanics, is fucking great. It's extremely polished, so much so that it's actually surprising that it's coming from the same company as some other things they've released. Like, at launch, it looked, felt, played better than most features have ever felt when CCP puts them out initially. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome. Is it growing the game? Not really. I don't think it's the fault of the awesomely produced feature. If that makes sense. So you put more of the weight on kind of marketing. I think Yeah, I think because there an really isn't position. any. Yeah, no, I, I can I can see that, but I, I don't have access to enough back end to really say yay or nay there. 
there, there's no marketing, and if they're going, oh, we're, we're going to rely on, on community growth, they haven't had an influx of new players in a really long time. The folks that already play EVE have probably already told their friends about EVE. Like, our social networks are probably fairly tapped as far as community referrals. And even if they weren't, you're not going to get the community excited to talk about the game and get their friends to start playing it when you're firing the community staff and all public faces that they interact with, massively demotivating them and sending people into a tailspin worrying if the game's even going to be around for another year. So they don't have traditional marketing. Uh, they fired the social media guy, although I will say the there has been some signs of life on the Twitter account, which is nice. Um, they are demotivating the community to get it to like evangelize the game. And even if they weren't, you know, how much they're not going to 2x off just community like sentiment and talking about it to their friends because if that was going to happen, it would have already. Yeah. So they need something new has to happen. They have to take some kind of step and they're not investing in it. They're reducing money in that. So they might be maintaining the game. Maybe they're training new devs on it. I don't know what's going on, but it seems like in classic CCP fashion, they're moving from one shiny object to another with regards to the significant investment of the company. And I get that they want to diversify. That's great. But maybe after the third or fourth time you've tried to do that and it hasn't worked out, maybe you go, okay, maybe we just need more stability for the company in general so we can make better long-term bets without having to, like, I don't know, fire a third of the company every time it doesn't pan out, which it seems to every couple of years. I don't think fundamentally you do that with CCP without culling, like, most of the top-level stuff, like, basically lobotomizing the company. I don't think you're ever going to get Hilmar to stop looking at something that he thinks is going somewhere and fucking sticking his dick, basically. Like, he's that kind of person. I mean, it honestly, is it is it really a problem to let them go do that? Like, I get that maybe we're not happy that he isn't I'm not, getting the like, attention, I'm not but... To, I want to clarify, I'm not, like, shit-talking Hilmar. I think he's he's obviously built a company that's vastly more successful than I will likely ever be in my life. That's something to be proud of. You know, he, he got it right. At least once. Yeah, I mean, my thing is the... Like going at diving into the deep end head first is the reason that we have Eve. So maybe it's worth a couple of failed attempts to allow them to continue and maybe strike gold again. Or at the very least, just accept that they're happy to maintain Eve, let it be a stable source of income for them as they make these deep dives. Well, at that point, then they're not a core, but it's not a core business interest if you're just maintaining it. Yeah. Well, it's a core interest, business interest if you have to maintain it in order to fund your other endeavors. But I mean, they can, it's their business; they can do whatever they want. It doesn't seem very responsible to me to have this massive growth, massive slash cycle happening every couple of years. It can't be great for morale. I'd have to imagine. Um, it it just doesn't seem sound to me. Uh, although I get that there's potential payoff there in that sure they could strike gold as you put it 
Um, but when you already have a really successful product that could be much more successful, I think maybe they don't think I I think that it could be like what? Why is that? Why is your main focus finding a new source of gold when you're not like deepening the mine that you already have? Maybe they truly believe that Eve can't be more successful than it is. Maybe that explains everything that we're seeing, but I don't share that belief. Sorry, in your sentence. No, I just said I got just got lost in the double, like the double positives and double negatives there. Like I, I, I was that was just so hard for me to understand. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not even stoned yet. That's what I'm going to do after this. But what I'm saying is, one possible explanation is they do not think that Eve can be more successful than it currently is. Right, and I think we we know for a fact that it can be more. It can be more successful than it is right now. Because there have been periods where Eve is more successful than it is now. CCP's financial status, you can actually go and read their financial reports. I really would advise anyone who's going to make comments about how much money CCP is making to go and read those first. Because they are public, that's part of Icelandic law. And you'll see that CCP's revenue has stagnated ever since 2012, basically. Uh, Not 2012, it was like 2013 or 14 or something. Basically, like when we started to see player counts decrease. Their revenue stayed flat, but it never went anywhere, basically. The exception of the incarnate years, where they actually ate a shitload of... They, like, they tanked a lot just from people basically unsubbing for a month. Yep. Yeah, and I don't yeah. see that... I don't see that really changing unless CCP kicks stuff off with alphas, with just getting more people into the game. I think that's what they're trying to do, fundamentally, with a lot of these changes. They're trying to get more players online. They're trying to get more players active. I just don't... I, I think I agree with you in a certain way that they're not going about it in a perfect way. Definitely. Like, Citadel's in their current state, not perfect. Definitely not. They really need a rep timer. This is actually something that I had a conversation with uh, Doom Chinchilla on Twitter about. It was a very antagonistic conversation, but I did get something from it. And that's that we both agree that Citadel's need a rep timer. Because right now, defending a Citadel is like is the attacker willing to throw away 3,000 ships? If so, the attacker wins. Good job. What do you mean rep timer? What does that mean? Uh, a rep, sorry, a rep cap. Uh, so rep. You can repair a Citadel at the same rate, I don't know, maybe like some rate slightly below the slightly below what at the DPS cap. So you can just, you can keep repping it and your opponents have to actually hold the grid to kill the Citadel. I think that's something that would potentially make them better, but I'm not sure. Hmm. I, I, I think it's something I'm I would at least suggest to CCP to think about on a more serious level. Uh, yeah, like, I would have to give that a lot more thought about how I feel about that. Yeah. Just throwing ships at the problem and throwing them into the fire has always been a legitimate way to deal with problems in EVE. Like... Yeah, but we've never had one where you couldn't counteract that in some way like we used to be able to rep pauses we used to be able to rep SBUs. that's no longer a thing and given how completely irrelevant solve is at this point like fundamentally the only thing that matters is your iHub even then it's not a huge issue um you, you've got a you've got like citadels are the focus of solve warfare right now as we've seen more times where the citadels go the solve soon follows 
I think there needs to be some consideration for making them more, I don't know how to put it, like more about who holds the grid than who throws away the most chips. Like, yeah, what I did with Tal was pretty funny, pretty interesting. And now we're seeing the, the kind of end result of that with what we saw in the start of the DRF war with people dropping, you know, dreads on different points around the keep star and just saying you can't kill these dreads fast enough. doesn't matter how many you bring. And I'm not sure that that's a healthy state for the game to eventually be in. Especially with how much economic productivity you've got right now. You know, if you're, if Delve can afford to sustain for, I don't know, like a hundred dreads a day of output, that's going to be pretty dangerous if that's all it takes to kill a keep star that's anchoring. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. This isn't something that I've like fully thought out. It wasn't. It isn't something that I actually expected to talk about today. But it's a thought that I really enjoy trying to think about. Like, what are the core problems with Citadels right now? Or, I think we have the poll. Or the problems with Citadels after firmware two point I think we have the poll. Should you be able to wrap the Citadel? Not like uncapped amounts obviously that would be fucking retarded like that would defeat the whole point of Citadel but like at the same level as the DPS cap so if you want to win you've got to kill everything else on the grid or you've got to I kill the repairing ships yes but only if CCP fixes the current problems with super capital missiles applying to regular caps because if you don't if you can rep a Citadel and the you abuse the mechanic with target painters and everything then the defenders just can't lose if they're relatively even numbers. Like, the, the damage output you'll get from that Citadel will massively outweigh anything that the, the attackers can bring to grid. Okay, that's actually a fair point. But I think that's, that's, that's another balancing point that I think will eventually get addressed, inevitably. at least on Astrid's. Like, there's no way they leave Astrid being as hilariously effective against caps as they are in the game. Let's move into our top stories. We'll talk about dreads again in a sec. Yeah. Um, the top story is tech two prices. I have down in our sheet are quote fucking bananas end quote. Uh, they have spiked tremendously over the past three or four weeks. They've easily tripled in value in some cases. That's yeah. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I would check like hafnium. Uh, I think maybe two weeks after, yeah, about two weeks after the the patch went live, I checked Hafnium. It was like thirty five hundred, five thousand, and now it is uh, almost nine thousand. That's about double. I mean, that's I mean that's crazy. The question of the hour is: Do we think this is a bubble? Do we think this is speculation, or do we honestly think that the market is going to stabilize somewhere in the realm of these current levels? Because uh... if it's a bubble, then so what? I'll use some Feroxes for the time being, and I'll use my service when the market stabilizes back uh, at a lower point. But we we still haven't had the waves really hit T two items like massively yet. Uh, I mean, well, the issue is this: the components that go into like the, the way reactions work now reactions take a really long time to build 
So you're not seeing right now, at least, although maybe we're starting to see it a little bit, but you're not really seeing the prices on the inputs getting into some of the higher level reaction stuff yet, which means it's not quite hitting the ships and modules yet. There's some speculation and there's some general price rise, but nothing really severe. I think like a month from now, when all stores of advanced materials are done and new ones are being produced at these new price points, that's when you're really going to feel it. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, 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 think... I, I agree with that. Like right now, the, the problem is that the economy moves quite slowly, especially in stuff like this that does take a shitload of time. So we're only going to start seeing the impacts in, you know, two to three months. And even after that, we've then got to evaluate, like, what is the long-term long level of mining people are going to see? And also, what is the impact of like, war zones going to be on, you know, the mining of this moon goo? Are we going to see wars actively drive up prices of T2 items, not just because things are dying more, but also because people can't sit there and mine the moon goo in their home territories? What happens when an alliance that you know is using their PVPers to mine actually goes to war? Then all their production drops off. Yeah, I, mean, I, remember, I remember talking to you before about how I was really hoping that we get some like dumb fucking Chinese server style shenanigans where people choke off all the moon goo of one specific race. And sadly, that doesn't seem to happen. But what has happened is that humans are excessively market choking. Like nothing is coming out of Delve at all. None of this moon goo is. All of their stockpiles are being used internally. They're just reacting them and making as much as they can. Because they well, know they're, they, they're, their coalition's they're big enough, they could internalize that market and not miss anything. Yeah, like all they're doing is just internally reacting with their stuff, keeping themselves nice and happy down in Delve. They're still running on like close to old T2 prices, but they're being able to sell their stockpiles at whatever money they choose. And that's like such a genius play. Because they control such a huge segment of the economy. Speaking it's of genius plays, someone went in. Oh, sorry, again, didn't mean yeah, to catch it's off. an economy that isn't dependent on just. Sorry, is my mic really low? A little bit. Okay, I'll move a little closer to the mic. Ooh, there we go. Uh, but speaking of genius plays, someone went in and dropped several billion worth into the evaporate deposits market and instantly tripled its price. It's just bought up everything and then resold it. And, of course, people are not exactly going out and mining evaporate deposits in droves. Uh, so well, now it's you know. more expensive than some R3, R, R6-4s, which is crazy. Yeah. I actually have done moon mining now. It's really fun. I got out there in my Procura with my corp. We got, like, 11 people online. We mined out all of the R64, and then we just left. We left all the rest of the minerals just in the air because none of us give a fuck about mining. We just wanted the R64. <laughs> yeah, I I have you in mind, guys. I'm I'm going to admit it. I I will say that I wanted to take a shower afterward, but I, uh, I, I went out on an adventure and I activated lasers on rocks. I've never the... laughed so hard in comms as when I was in a mining off. Like everyone was just like, "Why the fuck are we doing this? None to... of us care about this." To the diehard PvP fans out there, I'll have you know, I have not mined, so there is still one host on this show who has not fallen to the filth that is mining. Well, what I realized is that 
that you like shooting rocks more than shooting players. I love shooting players more than anything else. But what I realize is I equally like shooting rocks versus shooting NPCs because they're effectively equivalent. It was just whatever would make you money faster. And I just happen to have better skills than the other thing. But now mining is such that like you can actually make competitive money mining. At least where I'm at, out in Great Wildlands, mining is the thing to make money, either the moon rocks or ice. So we have good ice belts. And we have good rocks. Not the best rocks. Not even close to the best rocks. But if you're willing to put the work in, you can make things with it. Like actual reactions and stuff. The problem so. I have with it is, like, as a PvPer, if somebody's out ratting, especially if they're out ratting and, like, non... Or even Vex and Navy issues in Ishtars, like, people bling the crap out of those ships. And you can kill them and take the loot, get some fantastic salt, and there you go. With mining, I mean, sure, you can get excavator kill mails, but that doesn't pay the bills. Like, oh, you can, you can MJD them off, though. Did, did you not hear about that? Like, and do they the get abandoned? Rook, yeah, yeah, no, no. If you, if you MJD off a rock, it used to be 250 kilometers, but I think they changed it to 500 now, which is really sad. Like, and they only did that because otherwise you can't put drones on a keep start or you'll lose them. Hmm. Um, so I'm hoping one day they'll find a way of changing that. But whatever. Back in the start of them, you used to be able to like go in, use a CD, jump off the drones 300 kilometers, and then immediately go abandon. And then you wow. could just scoop them in, a, in an industrial, and you could sell them. <laughs> it was I so mean, fun. Even with that, like the new moon mining, as I understand it, it's not good for rural mining. Like you're out there in Mackinac's and the like, and the strip miners aren't worth that much. Like, I can go and loot them. They're relatively high volume. They don't sell for that much. Nobody's dead space fitting their miners. At least not enough of people that it's worth going out and hunting them actively. So if it is the case that now mining is worth enough that people are doing it instead of ratting, especially considering the gameplay isn't that different, then hunting isn't going to be as profitable anymore, at least for the solo PvP. Or sure, if you're like an Empire Alliance looking to take over space, then you go and do it so that you can mine the stuff yourself. But for somebody who's interesting in shooting people and not building an empire, it's just not as fun. So what I'm hearing you say is we need like dead space mining modules. Absolutely. Like the ore strip miners that give you extra range. So freaking what? Give me this some dead space like mining upgrades or something so that the crabs out there can pimp their ride and I can go steal the modules from their wrecks. God, yes. So basically what you're saying, you, you've created an argument for me that I can argue that it would drive PvP to have CCP implement more mining tools in the game. It seems good. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm in agreement kinda, with Artemis oh, there. Like, Alright, alright, alright. What if they made excavators for moon rocks that can web down the rocks? Because <laughs> wait, I don't know what? if you know this. But I can't you can believe web those, you, you can just web said those this. rocks. Like wait, we what? tested this out because well, we were really bored. I brought in my alt in a daredevil, and you totally can stop the rocks just by like daredevil webbing them. Like they oh, just stop like shit. Do so they why, though? Or are they just relying on inertia so you can literally stop them to zero? So, like, when no, a moon no, rock they, explodes, they, they, I, I can go... they started moving again, but it was, like, okay. so slow I didn't notice. I think they still have to build up their inertia again. 
but they will eventually go to the same point. But Why yeah. would you bother, though? Because then you can warp in your Oracle and mine it before it starts moving again. Yeah. You can, you just, so all we need to do is we need to make them make an even more expensive drone than the Excavator. The Daredevil Excavator. No, no, and don't it make it drones. Can... Make it an upgrade. Like, give me something make that it I can a loot off a dead ship. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we need to make specialized or webifiers. The and it's an AOE web, oh. so you don't have to lock like a million rocks and have a million of these things in your thing. No. Well, it no, because be, rocks are humping something. a single rock anyway. And it will only work on asteroids, but it's a 95% web, and it's worth like 100 million isk. Boom. I've solved this problem. Ooh, what about a super tractor beam that pulls rocks? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yes. It does not like that. Think about it. The okay, so does not appreciate your meddling. We've we've got a good idea or an idea for how to incentivize like solo small gang, just non empire centric PvP. We've got that argument down. Now, how do you go about that PvP? In the current meta, there's a whole lot of dread bombs going around. Is that going Heck to stay the same? I mean, as long as as long as Rorks are still the most powerful, like isk generating ship in the game, and as long as well and supers, and as long as Faxes are probably one of the strongest, like defensive options in the game, Dreads will continue to reign supreme. Because they're so, just fucking great. <laughs> they're just so fucking good. Yeah. I mean, for the price point, they put out a lot of damage. Yeah, and even I've been dropping dreads lately on my ult. It's been great. Just like sitting around with like 10 dudes on a fucking 40 and we see a carrier that's roaming through Providence, we just drop 10 dreads on it and it fucking dies. And we're like, yay, now we can stand down. Don't do what I did, however, and drop... Oh god, what was it? Yeah, yeah. So... I was hunting a fucking Hecate gang, and we had two people in our in our bait gang. It was me and another guy in a Legion, but the Legion didn't have a point. So he ended up just panic lighting his Sino because he was hitting 70% health, jumped everything in, like uh, forces and shit on top of him, like I think it was armor battleships, and, and the fucking Hecates just warp away. So I just warp after them. And... Oh yeah, we just dropped the forks. We didn't actually drop the battleships. And I walked to where the Hecates had jumped to, because they jumped themselves off with an MJD, and they all tackled me. So I tackled their FC, lit my second Sino, and brought the battleships in right on top of them, 100k away. It was so dumb. I don't know how it worked. But they, they died in their own bubble. Wow. <laughs> they into tackling themselves. <laughs> Oh god. Uh sorry, that was like a mad tangent. It's a bit of a mad tangent, yeah, that's alright though. Uh I've been having so much fun in Newborn lately. Like that's why I haven't been doing much. I've just been actually playing the video game. And it's so good. Well one thing I know you've been focusing your time on is Ethereum Reach. Now I have not been I don't even know this was like the hot spot. So why don't you explain Ethereum Reach? Alright, so Ethereum Reach has been this, like, really weird sub-part of the conflict in DRF space, 
where this like ragtag band of people from the Great Wildlands Coalition and some spurned mercenaries and skill yourself have just been like going fucking ham on just like trying to murder people in in Ethereum Reach along with Volta. And it's so good. It's just like every time I talk to these people, they're like so excited and so happy. They know that, you know, probably they're probably not gonna get out to hold onto their territory, but they're loving the fact that they're fighting like this. 30, 50,000 man coalition. I don't have to give a heck. Like, during the, uh, like, eventually, um, like, when DRF were in the north, it was madness down there. They were killing, like, Protean, uh, what is it? Like, Protean Alliance Tengu fleets and dread bombing people and just, like, forcing the DRF to send troops down here to keep them quiet whilst they were fighting a war on two other fronts. It was so cool. What, like, 30 on 40 dudes can do if they put their mind to it. I just want to gush about it so much. Like, it's so cool that we're now in a in a stay in the game and some people have so much space that, like, 40 dudes and, like, Volta can make an impact that has to be genuinely recognized strategically. That is a beautiful state of play. Now, would you say that's it's more Sav stuff, Citadel stuff, small gang stuff. How is this fight playing out? Oh, it's like 100%. It, it, it's almost entirely solved stuff, but they have been putting down, you know, putting down and bashing some Citadels and stuff. It's, it's just like a, a small war, basically, that's been going on behind the scenes. And I only found out about it in my last update. I went out and I tried to hunt them down because I had some comments that were like, why aren't you talking about Ethereum Reach? And I was like, there was a war in Ethereum Reach? When did this happen? So I got in contact with them, and I just they just started linking me battle reports, and I'm like, oh my god, this is great. This is like 50 on 50, like, home defense fleet versus, you know, strat-op level kind of stuff. And then people are dropping dreads. Oh, it's... What's the, what's the incentive here? Are people just after good fights, or why are people fighting in Ethereum Reach? I think it's a little bit of, they want to really test themselves against an, an enemy that has some kick. It's it is the Great Wilderness Coalition. It's people like um, let me actually find the list because I wrote it up because they're fucking like they're crazy people. I didn't know many very many of these alliances. I'll I'll freely admit that. But it was like Rote Capelle was involved. I think. Sorry, uh, just... unspoken alliance. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, such Naya. Hashishin Cartel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nolseknaya shall open, Rote Capelle, uh, Unspoken Alliance, Hashisha Sheshinsh, Opalite, Fain Disorder, and Volta, and Ingmi, or Skill Yourself, are involved as well. And then, basically, they're fighting the, the BT, you know, Prothean, IRC, Army of New Eden. Although, obviously, they won't be fighting Army of New Eden anymore because they have left to join the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Coalition, which is very interesting kind of politically, we're actually seeing like some DRF alliances leave and go to the alliances that just invaded. I mean, it makes sense if you're a renter in the DRF because the DRF has shown that they can't protect their new allies FCON like, as they're busy defending FCON, as they're busy defending their space in the north, they're getting picked on in Ethereum Reach. Yeah, Fidelis Constance is kind of stabilizing now at about 500 people down from 3,000. Slopes on slopes on slopes. 
No, like they are stabilized now. They flatlined, but that's going to be where FCON is for a while. And then they're going to see if they can build themselves back up. I think that's cool. I hope they do something. Um, and a lot of the other Phoenix Federation members have folded into the DRF. We see, you know, the Serenity Initiative in uh, Ethereum Reach now. And I think FCON is in there. So it's going to be interesting. Like, Ethereum Reach will be like where FCON lives or dies. And I fucking love that. These, like, 30 or 40 man gang fights are probably going to determine the future of an alliance that once had 3,000 members. That's pretty cool. Fucking Eve, man. Why is Eve so fucking entertaining? Sonny, man, great stuff going on in Great Wildlands. Like, yeah. all those alliances you named are, like, our bros out there. I know. I, like, I actually spent time, like, trying to theory... Okay, so, so some, some backgrounds here. I actually managed to make something in EVE a math problem so that I could ask my professor about it so that he would be able to give me, like, serious advice on it. Uh, and it's to do with defending Fortazars. I was, like, trying to figure out the minimum amount of groups of people you needed to put up counter sniping like blobs on the edge of forces are so they'd be within tether range so that there would be no path that intersects them sorry no path that goes around them that is more than a hundred that is less than a hundred kilometers so basically you need to double jump in order to be safe from defending fleets Sorry, so you're you're putting sniping fleets in tether on a Fortazar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. On the edge of tether. Like so they can retether if they need to, if they get in trouble. And like it turns out that there's actually a way of mathematically modeling that. So I like I sat down and I like wrote out some maths and we figured it out and I was like, thanks. And and I obviously I can't use that because I can't get that many fleets. But it's something super interesting to know, something that I really hope to apply one day. I mean, it's just like calculating the spherical area covered by each thing, right? And then the total area. No, it's, the... it's a little more complicated than that because you've also, you've, the other, like, uh, the additional thing that I put on top of it was that I wanted it to be so that if you are moving from one point to another, or sorry, if you're moving from the edge of one to another, you can't do it unless you double jump. It's like there isn't a point where you can just make one jump and be safe. Ah. Um, because I knew I'd probably have interceptors helping me, so I could make them jump a certain amount of distance, a certain amount of times. And you said you don't have enough free time. <laughs> to be fair, I did that at you, so... Yeah, like, you just got a modeling software and, like, math hammered it out, and I was like, this is fucking great. This is maths. Yay! So yeah, Ethereum reads super interesting. Got to ask some of the uh, some of the NSH guys for more info about that because it sounds like uh, you, you've made a compelling really... case. It's a pretty interesting conflict. I really want to get some of them on the podcast. I think they'd be great. They're, they're all so enthusiastic about it in that like, not even innocent way. They're just they're just enjoying Eve. Yeah, I can probably I can't, make I can't that happen. Argue with that. Like, come on, that's just so amazing. That's also they so might not, weird. They, they might not even be a serious threat, but like, you can't help but love that. The fact that they've taken actual sob in that area, they've got citadels down, they're fighting tooth and nail for their little homestead. Oh. Tugs at your heartstrings. It's like, it's like a three-legged puppy trying to crawl its way up the stairs. You can't help but find it adorable. It's, 
interesting that the state of combat in EVE has gotten to the point where people will fight over things simply for the joy of fighting. Like previously tie-dye fests and N plus one and whatever mechanics you want to throw out and complain about made it such that people required extra incentives to fight. But if what you're saying is accurate, these guys, they don't care about the solve necessarily, they care about the fight and they care about it enough to commit to consecutive 50 on 50 fights and things, which is something we've never had before in EVE. I think we've had that a while. It's it, I think more than that. They they want to kill people. They don't really like the DRF, so they're just you know they're picking on someone who who's a bit distracted, and that makes so much sense. I hope we see some more of this, like as time goes on, just like people piggybacking off like existing wars and just making life hell for the defender. Because it that just sounds like a fun ass thing to do. Like I would be involved in that. Well, now that the, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy War is over, do you think that will continue? It's not really over, though. The only the only theater that ended is the North. We're still seeing like major conflicts going down between Solar and Tri. Those guys fucking hate each other. They've been at war this whole time, and like no one talks about it. No one talks about Solar being like this one man wrecking crew against Tri, like trying to take their solve every day. I mean, it's not very effective, but maybe maybe they'll be able to wear them down or something. Yeah, I, I just kind of assumed when FCON uh, kicked the bucket, so to speak, that that was kind of going to wind down. Not really. The only thing that really wound down was, like, the Immensi and Tenerifis fighting, but Tri's still got to do that, like, elastic defense against Solo, where they only fight, fight time as they think they can win, where they still have to be worried about Test potentially coming in and helping you know, the DRF, if needs be. I mean, at least they don't have to worry about MC anymore. I believe the MC contract ended. Yeah, our contract ended. We're still, like, down there, but we've we've effectively deployed elsewhere for the winter. So we'll be there for fights, but if fights aren't anticipatable, we just won't be around to quick respond to things type deal. I think the NC is more the concern, because as I understand it, Northern Coalition is down there fighting with tests on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, from what I understand, Tests is pretty active in the South, shockingly enough. It's almost it's like they live now. there. Makes you think. <laughs> uh, well, uh... You guys want to touch on the North or go into our Dread thing? I mean, I've heard that there's some bombing stuff in general that's been going on in the North, like uh, goons basically attempting to copy penis smashes. Very, very effective hunting trips against goon ratters. I'm not, I, I'll be honest, I haven't looked too deeply into it, but it seems like it's going to be a thing TM. I, I don't understand why people don't like... I guess if you've got, so in Tribute and MC, like we've got a small enough pocket that if something gets tackled, we just form a subcap fleet and we go in. Like we have everything Sino jammed and you can't do these type of dread bomb things. You've got to come in with plops or a conventional fleet, which we can beat. But I guess if you're up in GOTG Declan, there's just so much space between staging systems and where these guys are ratting that you have to have it unjammed so you can jump capitals into defend because you just cannot realistically get a subcap defense fleet there in time. 
either that or they're just dumb and aren't cyanogenic jamming things, which I'd like to think is not the case. Yeah, we had uh, Whale War 1. Can we just end the Whale Wars now? We're like, this is the main form of content for the large alliances. It's just like park dread caches places and drop Merkwals all day. I mean, uh, I, I, like, I enjoyed calling it the two-week war because it seemed like it only lasted that long. Oh, it lasted much longer than that freaking taking care of all the Asterhasses that were left behind. That was cancer. Citadel's 2.0 cannot come soon enough. Yeah, what's the ETA on that, by the way? Uh, I'm gonna throw December? Uh, throw an NDA in there. First quarter. Um, oh, first quarter. Yeah. At least that's what has been the most recently publicly announced thing. Gotcha. Uh, well, we also had an interesting conversation prior to starting the show, which I kind of wanted to bring into the show. Um, and Artemis brought it up, although Yin and I were like sort of riffing a little bit about the end part of it. And then Artemis made the point that it's it's something that we're just seeing more now. There's kind of a bitter vet renaissance happening, sort of, where I don't know why this is happening now, but it's just something we've noticed that like, Folks that have been pretty meh about the game for a while are kind of caring again. I don't know if that's the best way to put it. I think if you, I think to a degree, like people always care about the game. Like if you care enough to be bitter, you probably care enough to actually care about the game. But yeah, like there's a little bit more positivity in the community, and that's nice. But equally, we've we've still seen some amount of people leave, and that's quite sad you know i saw a very long and detailed post by christy cloud um on the csm slack where he was like yeah i i i'm no longer gonna play this game because i i feel like alpha daily skill injectors are a step too far and i don't want to see where ccp takes the game i love that's something that you know people have said and that that worries me more than the extent of anything else you know is this game becoming something that the people who've been playing since 2003 don't want to play any. Yeah. The the skill injector thing, I think just the optics of it were kind of bad. Oh, yeah. I, I think if they had phrased it as like one day of Omega time that you could buy, I think that would have been different. But skill injectors is so much wrapped up into it. I mean, my, my initial point with, like, the Bitter Bet life cycle is previously people would play EVE and at the start they'd either get overwhelmed and quit or they'd stick with it, they'd find a group that they enjoy and then they'd be super hyperactive for a while. Could be a few months, could be a few years. And then eventually enough problems with pause code or people that they don't like in-game or what have you would cause them to grow bitter and then eventually they'd, they'd stop caring. They'd whine on the forums a lot, they'd never quote-unquote win EVE, but they wouldn't actively play, like with a passion for playing and what they were doing. But now it seems like people are being active, continuing to stay active, and if anything ramping up, their excitement about what they're doing like they're not getting less excited and growing more and more bitter be it because of a lack of things to be bitter over 
or because there's new stuff to become excited about. I'm not quite sure where that comes from, but certainly the cycle you used to see of active for a while becomes bitter, maybe comes back, maybe doesn't, is changing. And it's an incline of excitement, if you will, in stark contrast. I think that's, it feels like we've had this weird cycle where a bunch of like 2012, 2013 players have suddenly reached some sort of cliff where they're like 100% willing to be a part of, a major part of the community. Which is, like, this is something that we, I don't know if this is isolated to Provi, but we've seen these, like, new FCs step up and, like, in six months be really fucking good. Like, you know, probably as good as me. I'm not a great FC. Uh, we have a new guy called Alistair Sharp, uh, Alistair Sharp in our alliance, and he's fucking great. And we're seeing people like, you know, people like that pop up all over Probably Is, is this something you guys have been seeing as well? I don't know. I mean, my group is much smaller, but sort of, kind of, just with Night Jester and myself. Um, oh, and that's the thing. One of the even more frustrating things about the recent, you know, drama with the CCP community team is I was so excited and I thought things were really going well, especially after Vegas, and I kind of had the wind taken out of my sails a little bit. But generally speaking, yeah, things are going great with EVE in-game. I'm excited to log in, excited to play, uh, excited about what my corp is doing, excited about the future of the game in general, or it would be <laughs> in that last point. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm personally enjoying the playing of the game, which is good. On the FC point, I'm, at least in MC, not seeing so much new FCs grow up as much as old FCs become reinvigorated. Maybe that's just because our demographics are very different, but we're seeing more old FCs who were great back in the day, or at least decent back in the day, coming back, becoming interested, becoming enthused, and learning new tricks, if you will. I think CDs did a lot for that, didn't they? CDs, the new mechanics with um, freaking citadels and pauses going away. Logistics frigates have opened up new doors for me in terms of fleet concepts to try. Dude, logistics frigates are fantastic. Like, I didn't even realize it at the time when they came out. I thought they'd be great. But the number of fleet concepts they open up, as you mentioned, is just insane. Like, you can do command as these fleets. You can do assault frigate fleets. You can do T3D fleets. You can do even cruiser fleets with uh, T or with the Logi. And it's a really weird thing. Like, if you run up against a fleet who's using logistics frigates supporting cruisers, what do you shoot? <laughs> right. And it's like you can take all those fleets you just mentioned, and it's not the case where, like, you're just roaming around looking for targets to gank, or you have to take these much slower, probably worth your entire fleet in one hull logistic ships. Whereas, like, now you can take these frigs, and these smaller Desi cruiser frigate concepts and like actually have proper stand-up fights. And because you can roam around so much faster, cover a lot of ground and find those fights easier. Yeah. It's kind of like how battle cruisers used to be back when they actually walked at 3A US second, rip in peace. I mean, it's not only that, I think the biggest thing, for me at least, that makes logistics frigates so great is that I can pimp them. 
if you think about a logistics cruiser, there are no dead space large reps. I can throw whisk at it to make it tankier a little bit, but there's a hard cap. With logistics frigates, I can put A-type small reps on the thing and massively increase its effectiveness. The same cannot be said for any other logistics platform except for the T1 cruisers, and those just weren't worth the increase in cost. They could not utilize their new increased effectiveness, if you will. Maybe that's just a me thing, I don't know. No, I I don't disagree with you there. They're in a weird spot. Like, If you're running a repping T3, you can invest in making your reps more powerful. Frigates, yes. If you're doing faxes, yes. But not the cruiser one. That's a little weird. You can you can buy um, medium seas. Those are pretty good. Yeah, but they're if not large on a logistics cruiser like the True. T2s, you, you want to use the large reps. Uh, and those it, don't have any faction or dead space options. That is interesting, actually. I wonder why I, I wonder why that is. Maybe CCP doesn't want to buff T2 logistics. That would be the only justification for it I could see. And and that makes sense in Eve of a few years ago where T2 logistics ships were the bee's knees and kind of like the defining factor about what happens in fights. But the meta has shifted so much now. Like on the one end, you've got the smaller logistics frigs, and then you've got much more focus on alpha anyway, with Max and Feroxes and all that stuff. And then you've very... got on the higher end, you've got Faxes, which are like blowing away the repping power of Tech 2 cruisers anyway. So uh, I think the time might be right. I can take that. I, I, yeah, I, I enjoy, I would enjoy killing more blame pit logistics, let's put it that way. What do you think about faxes in general? I think on the list of things that are overpowered in the game, they are not particularly high, but they are on there. We really needed somebody who's actively living in wormhole space to get on the show oh, and no, talk they about like faxes. Ridiculous. Okay, they're ridiculously broken in wormholes. I will. Yeah, I mean, just fought one. I can vouch. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I talked to the noob man about that once, and like the amount of hatred that that man had for like how powerful foxes were. If you're trying to attack a hole, is virulent, and he will like sit down and explain every single detail of it to you. I think it's the capital cap booster. No, even worse than that, it's the fact that you can just quad inject with like four heavy cap boosters and not care. Because mm. that's got the same, they inject the same amount as a capital cap booster, because they both use 3200s. Mm. So if you can inject. Wait, and... a heavy gets 3200s? Mm -hmm. Yeah, holy shit, dude. Wow. It gets, you can only fit one, it's sort of like you can fit an 800 in the medium type deal. Gotcha, gotcha. Did you not... Yikes. <laughs> Yeah, like, teaching things to Alexi of 2017. <laughs> Dude, I haven't flown a capital ship. Did you know uh, that 300 kilometers is the maximum locking range you can have in Eve, but nothing can go beyond that? Uh, except for citadels. And carriers. Yep. And supers, technically, on the extension. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, and supers. I haven't flown a cap ship in Eve because despite the jump range nerfs intention, like you still can't really use one without getting the shit dropped on you unless you have counter escalation. Nah, fab. Oh, well, I've got a great story about that that I'll save my host highlights. 
Can we talk real quick? There's a dude in Pravi who like roams around in caps. I don't know his name, but he roams around in caps. He roams around in Marauders, and he like posts solo PvP videos. <gasps> oh my god, Laska! Yes, he's in my core. And I, he's such I, a fucking I, hero. Well, the thing I don't get is why like he's in his own space. There is always the threat. Like if somebody drops caps on me in Pravi, maybe I go after it. But you know that if he can last long enough, probably can just form up a bunch of dudes to come and drop on you. Like, he's not getting dropped like every other solo PvPer because he's in his own space. I don't get it. Well, like, so, there is why I fight so many people, thing. like, yeah. So many people come to Provi just looking for a good fight, and who he wants is a good fight, so he just, like, takes his fucking dread and he warps it in their face, and he's like, fucking deal with this. And they fucking are like, yes, let's do this. And sometimes yeah, why are they like, yes, that. let's do this? I, it makes no sense to me. Because I we must never, be missing because, something. Because he doesn't ever drop on people. Like, I think the only people he drops on are people who counter drop him with more caps. Like, like the one time I've ever formed to defend him is like when HTP, we're going to drop some dreads on him, so we just formed a Ferox fleet to kill a carrier and like help him out. That was it. Other than that, he's like pure honorable 1v1. He's, he's also like the most genuinely interesting guy I've, I've, I've talked to him in a very long time. He's so interesting like as a person. He's a, he's a very, very hardcore chess player. Ooh. Which is where his name comes from. And uh, his, his alts are all named after like chess professionals. And it's like, and he will, he will go over every minute detail that's fit and he has like a very strong rationale behind all of it. He's one of those very few analytical solo PvP players, like Suetonia. And I, I really hope his videos do well, because they're so fun. Like, I can pull off half that shit. That's awesome. Sorry, well, that's a pretty I'm, good I'm segue into us talking about dreads in general. <laughs> and let's, let's move into that phase, because we've been touching on it a couple times during this show. Like, dreads are becoming a staple of EVE. Like, People are using them a lot for almost everything. Is this because of the nerfs to fighters, or is this because people are just finally figuring out what you can do with dreads? It's more that people are people are getting the logistics in place to use dreads offensively in a consistent manner. That's my personal reading. Mm. Like people have known that this has been possible for a long time. But it took someone. It took what Penif smashed it. I don't know if you've ever seen the combined battle report of all of his kills in Delve over like a month. It was it was ridiculous. He killed like like a trillion or something ridiculous in like a month just by dropping dreads on shit constantly. I also think it's something to do with them being much more common. You know now, yeah. what used to be like oh, we're going to drop caps and stuff. Like, okay. You had a couple of alliances doing that, and they would drop whatever they had. Now it's much more precise about, okay, you need we need X amount of dreads to one cycle this thing, and we're going to do it in one cycle. And now everyone's got access to the dreads because the skill points have sort of caught up. And it's just kind of been a perfect storm, I think, of... The math and theory crafting coming together and becoming well known and widespread. Somewhat of the logistics that that Yen mentioned, 
and just more people are now have the money, have the skills to get them. And so they're dropping them. They're doing one cycle fights, which means they're relatively, I mean, there's still some risk, but not that much. So they're not losing them tons and they're getting great kills, which gets people even more excited to go train into them and learn how to do it. It's sort of this self-perpetuating thing. Mm. There's a lot of choices to make with dreads, though, that I find very interesting. Like, especially on a fitting pool. Oh, I think I want to mention one other thing. There's also a little bit of, like, a lot of subcap options don't have the DPS for some of these, like, Rorqual fights and, like, killing faxes. That That's the, really the reason why we're seeing them more used. Like, yeah. It's them and tier 3s, to a lesser extent, are the things that can do stuff in Delve before the backbone fights. Yeah, like, otherwise you're just sitting there trying to wear it down for forever, and Utes aren't as effective as they used to be. Um, just the whole meta is moving away from high DPS ships, and with counter-dropping being such a big thing, you know, that also forces you away from these close-range high-damage fits. It's more than anything high DPS, just doesn't have the maneuverability to catch anything in an era of everyone having Vintel, in an era of everyone having scouts everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can't move with your arm again fast enough to get on top of something. Is it also like Command Desi's being able to instantly remove, like you have a battleship fleet sitting at zero on somebody's fax, I bring in two Command Desi's and suddenly your battleship fleet is no longer sitting at zero on some fax? Is that also a factor in play here? Like the fact that other high DPS options can be quickly relegated with a few properly piloted destroyers? I don't think that's a huge issue for what we're talking about here, which is dread bombs against like undefended PvE targets. Fair uh, point. In in a larger scale, probably it has something to do with it. But you, I, I, that's more getting into a strategic level, and that's like, yeah, how many how many dreads can you bring? How many forces do your opponents have? You're trying to do the math there and just crunch it down, because generally you aren't shooting your faxes faxes with subcaps anymore. Like, yes, you can do it. If you get enough battleships, the thing will die. If you get enough nukes on it, you will eventually cap it out. But in a in an actual fight where the enemy is shooting you, it's generally fairly ineffective to shoot a fax. If it's well fit, it's going to tank somewhere in excess of 100k DPS. So yeah, she's a little overboard. When fax first came out, the videos getting posted to Reddit of like an entire T3 fleet shooting at a fax for an hour or so just waiting for it to run out of cap boosters to die. Like, you can get it beyond 100k easily. Like, um, with heat and stuff. I do remember, like, way back when I was talking about them splitting the carrier role and, like, moving uh, triage into its own ship class. I was like, yeah, you should reward the removal of the fighter options with making the local and remote reps a little bit stronger. I didn't quite mean this much. <laughs> Like, they are beyond now, where you have entire large battlecruiser and up fleets shooting at them, and they're tanking them with zero problem. That's that's a little too strong, small gang style. I'd rather ha- see them have a little bit more buffer and a little less rep power, locally anyway. I think having get, getting them to have more buffer is 
moderately dangerous anyway. But yeah, with uh, with the Capan Sil rep, we're looking at uh, a 126k heated. That's nuts. That's sorry. That's heating the tank modules, but not the reppers themselves. If you heat reppers, it's like 162k. I mean, obviously, you're never going to do that. That's not a realistic assessment. But that's like the upper upper limit, and that's without exile. So the point is, you're ever you're only ever going to reach those damage numbers with a dread bomb. It's the only thing that's capable, aside from committing supers, that's going to get you anywhere close to those damage numbers. Yep, that's that's pretty much what it comes down to. Like, you've got to drop some dreads, so you're going to look for what's the best dreads to drop on a fax. That's generally revelations right now. In my personal opinion, I think that cap new is so good. Then you're probably at Nags, then you're probably at Moros's, then you're at Phoenix's. So why are Phoenix's not as preferred? Like, is theoretically they have better DPS than any of the other options. Because you can move, basically. Like, and, and well, to if you're shooting extent, other caps, then they're not really moving. Yeah, like, I think Phoenix's do have some value. It's just that everyone doesn't want to use them so much that no one has them trained. So sort of like the Drake type deal. I guess. The Phoenix has been so discarded for most of Eve that like anyone that would train to Dread has trained a Dread that's not a Phoenix at this point. Yeah. There are certainly uses for Phoenixes though. Like um PL uses this really interesting gang that they knew we couldn't deal with for a long time, where they would drop like Five or six phoenixes and a couple of forks and a raw call, and they just use that to ref a citadel from 300k away because they knew we couldn't rage form the subs fast enough to kill it. And it was really, really effective. Honestly, so we theory crafted that inside MC, and we couldn't figure out did you not have the range rig for your TPs? Because, like, if um, you're using the super capital missiles, they've got the range, and the TP, if you hit the range rig, it'll bloom the SIG enough to kill Phoenixes. I don't think we did. Like, mm, this okay. was kind of a thing that they were using to just ref Astras and Retarus and things like that. Yeah, because, like, more... a, a properly fit Astra will pump out 30k DPS with the anti-super missiles. So you'd expect every, every single Citadel in Providence to be properly fit. Mistake. <laughs> You're probably right there. You're probably I had to make right. a I had to make a post on our leadership forums a while back that was like, "Here is how your fucking Fortazar will be fit. If it is not fit like this, I will not defend it." <laughs> uh good times back when people didn't fit bomb launches to their citadels, and people people would fit anti sub cap weapons, anti sub cap missiles. <laughs> I'm dead inside. <laughs> uh, but yeah like you have a lot of options with these dreads which is something that I find kind of interesting like T2 weapons have opened up a whole new kind of paradigm where you basically get to choose are my dreads going to be expensive and if so how much damage do I want to do I know PL for example has settled on T1 guns generally being their mainstay and it's saved them a lot of money long run I think well if you can get enough together you really don't need it Yeah, pretty much. Well, there's also another aspect of Dreads we should touch on, which is high-angle weapons. 
And that's the anti-subcap version of the Dreadnought. Capital guns now properly, uh, at least unless you're extremely painted and webbed, uh, can't really hit subcaps for shit. They actually uh, can, if like, at all. super effectively. Um, I know PL fighting us used a, a tactic of having a couple of Macs have webs and have those webbed down for a Dreadwob that was like 30 or 40k away from us. And at that range, you know, pulse fit, uh, regular Giga Pulses can hit you just fine if you're in a slow ass battle. Alright, so if you web a battleship multiple times and have it 40 kilometers away from a Dread, it might be hittable. Yeah. It's not like the old days where you used to be able to like Bindi web down a Proteus and then you'd fuck yeah. it up with a Moros. It's not that same game. Yeah. There are still things you But the high-angle weapons, very effective without much tackle. We're talking pretty much a, a high-angle weapon Dread could solo a small fleet with this. I've seen it. Uh, I've seen Laska do it multiple times. We just... Yeah. yeah. Like, I've our corp has this... <laughs> Our corp has this thing called a uh, dank bot, which is a part of our slack. And basically any time uh, someone in our corp gets a solo kill, it pings everyone. So occasionally I'll just look at my phone and just see ping, ping, ping. And it's all just Laska getting dank solo frags in his dreadnought. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I fucking wish I was half that good. And speaking of unspoken alliance from earlier, uh, one of the Ethereum Reach fights against MC was they had a number of small, or excuse me, of high angle weapon Nagalfars. Nah, they weren't. They weren't Haws. That's the thing. Oh, they, they weren't, weren't Haws. They were already Nags that they brought in and used the Fortizar to weapon paint. Uh, Those weren't Haws. What Those the were fuck? Captains. Yep. Yeah, they fucking they MC range. with these. They oh, came in at range, and they used the target painters from the Fortizar to bloom the SIG, and then we basically just had zero transversal due to the range. Like, yeah. Yo. And they, they shredded in a bad fleet. Like, it wasn't even there. Well, uh, never mind. That's a bad comment to be making publicly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead. Nope. I mean, I saw the battle report. It didn't look great. I'm, I'm gonna let the battle report speak for itself. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna leave that as it is. Like, <laughs> it was unexpected and it worked. Bully for them. Like we, Hadreds is something that we, you always sort of consider. For the most part, it's interesting. Within MC, we've we've spent a lot of time dumbing down doctrines so that people would. And there's still the perception that we have and are willing to at any moment's notice drop a cat fleet at least in some smaller groups that haven't really caught up with things yet so for the most part hodreds don't get dropped on our battleship fleets so what they did we sort of didn't expect hodreds but dropping cap gun dreads of course you can't counter drop because it's on their fortizar grid type nail as well so yeah it's super freaking weird and it was awesome and i was glad that it happened <laughs> I'm too glad that it happened. I thought it was a really innovative tactic. Basically strapping players to your Fortisar for extra guns. If the super cap gun thing gets changed such that it's not broken anymore on Citadel grids, I think dread prolifer proliferation in these sort of even mid to anywhere from mid-size to strat level ops is going to go out like crazy. Like, because even with the broken 
super cap guns applying perfectly to things. We already see people just throwing dreads at structures till they die. Granted, the Keepstar situation was where it was anchoring, but we could dig up multiple situations where Tri, for example, I think, just throw dreads at something. Or was it the DRF who threw dreads at a Triforce? So I can't remember. But as soon as super capital missiles get fixed, then the one of the best answers to a Citadel is just going to be drop dreads on it. Or even if the Citadel owners drop dreads on the grid, no longer can they rely on the Citadel being enough of a deterrent to d dissuade a counter drop. How would you... Thoughts? I mean, I'm trying to like think about a counter to what broke that MC fleet. Like, if you're just surrounding your Citadel with dreadnoughts, what counter is that? Aside from running... Like, it goes back to our thing... Earlier talking about a rep cap, what counters that aside from suiciding subcaps over and over till it dies? Range. Like the freaking MJD Ravens. Just stay out of the cap range. Can like okay, can MJD Ravens even get far enough though? Like maybe maybe RT yeah. maybe an RT Max, but like don't aren't you both working at the limits of Eve where you're like both of us are gonna be at three hundred kilometers? So the the thing is like the big reason that it worked with the RDNAGs is because our Macarial fleet had to be close enough that we were within the EUR range on the Citadel. If we're outside of EUR range on the Citadel, RDNAGs don't apply. Like, we can maneuver just fine and ignore the damage. And then there's also the idea that if they get far enough away from their Citadel in order to deal with that, like, so that they can apply their own EUR from subcap support for the dreads, for example, then we can drop our own dreads just outside of the Fortizar range. Yeah, but could, uh, like, couldn't you use those what are the implants that um, you can use to increase E-Wall range? Good question. I know they exist, like, um, oh, Centurions, that's it. Can you use, like, them and a Hyena to basically give you a grid-wide paint? I don't think you'd be able to get the lock range. Maybe, okay, so get it, get it reseboed by, like, a Damnation or something. Um, probably you get pretty close. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, I actually, it doesn't, like, I guess you'd, you'd need to use T2 guns, because Tremor even only has a range of, like, 256, if I remember right. It's pretty fucking low. I mean, there's not much that's going to be hitting, like, actually doing damage at 300 anyway. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's Even a fucking rock, you're going to struggle to hit above 250. Yeah, it's good. Well, I actually, no, that, like, just use Frentics for that, surely. Like, on the rope. Because none of those penalties the, matter to you. The limiting factor, like, I've done a lot of theory crafting for this because, like, killing citadels, especially properly fit citadels, is something MC has to do a lot. So, or theoretically has to do a lot. In any case, the majority of the time, the issue you're going to have is lock range. You have to sacrifice either a crap load of tank or damage in order to get the lock range you need to get out to 300k. Like, because... Assuming subcaps. Like, with subcaps, either you're going to lose enough tank that void bombs will make your fleet killable by anything, or you're not going to have the lock range to stay outside of the 250 EWAR range. Even on battleships with links. Right. Obviously, this is something I've done a little bit of theory crafting on because I'm trying to fight PL, who have decided that they're going to use this doctrine now. But uh, I haven't gone too far in it yet, sadly. 
I mean, the, the best thing we've been able to come up with is those nullify T3 proteases. Holy shit, I can't wait to use those. The I bet it doesn't I... work, but it's good, great. <laughs> the crazy idea that I had is bar guests have stupid range. They've got enough low slots that you can fit a decent armor tank on them. And passive tank, mind you. So you stick your bar guests just inside of 300 kilometers, and then you stick a fax outside of 350. The fax can still wrap the bar guests fleet. But it's outside of Fortizar range, and the Bargas are able to shoot the Citadel and not care about its void bombs. Of course, we're not going to use this because who flies an armor Bargas fleet? But somebody as eccentric as PL, have at it, dudes. Interesting topic. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, question for the room Do we think Hawdreds are properly balanced against carrier fighters? I think carriers are probably slightly weaker, but they can also be wrapped, so I don't see a huge problem with that. Carrier fighters don't do enough damage, so I think the lack of ability to apply to them with hog guns is balanced. At least without, like, EWAR support. Wait, what are we talking about? I'm, I'm, I mean, like, versus other subcaps. Oh! Not Hawdreds trying to shoot carrier fighters. Yeah, because of the immobility of dreads. Alright. Let's get into our host highlights. Uh, I just wanted to highlight one thing. I put it out on YouTube, but it had a fucking the most satisfying outplay versus this really annoying saber pilot in Nullsec. Uh, I was out with the Breakfast Club room, and we were playing tag with the saber for like a good... 30 minutes, probably way longer than we reasonably should have. But, like, apparently every time that we sent him back through a gate, we were putting him into armor and then a little bit of structure. So it was like, okay, we might kill this guy eventually. But he just drops a bubble, burns back to the gate. Apparently, even if you warp inside the bubble, it doesn't cause aggression anymore. So he's just jumping back through each time and pinning the fleet down. And we finally get sick of it. I'm about to move the fleet on, but one of our guys jumps late. So I hang on the gate to make sure he gets off okay. I am in a Garmer. And this dude's in the Saber. So the Saber drops the bubble, but after the other guy warps off. But now I am stuck in it alone. And the fleet is like 30-something AU from me. It would take him a while to get there. So I now am in a position where if I try to burn outside of the bubble, this guy's probably going to scram me. And I say this out loud in the stream. So I'm like, okay, what do I want to do here? He's got me bubbled down. I don't want to jump through. Uh, I'm like, what can I do here? Can I do? Okay, well, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to burn off to this moon, and I'm going to overheat my micro-warp drive. The idea will be that I'll burn outside of his scram range so quickly he won't be able to react. And so that's what I do, and that's exactly what happens. He tries to shoot me, but it's after I'm outside of the scram range. So now he's aggressed on a gate inside of his own bubble. So I just immediately turn around, point him, call the fleet back. And I'm calling this out like seconds before it happens. Like I'm playing this fight out. And it's happening exactly like I said. And sure enough, we get the kill on this guy finally. And it felt so good. That sounds pretty fucking fun, dude. Oh, yeah. And, I, and it was narrow, like one click maybe. I was outside of the scram range, but it, it was that overheat. He just didn't expect me to do it. 
And then as soon as he pointed me, or didn't even point me, as soon as he like threw red box on me, I just turned around and killed him. It's fucking great. Anyway, yeah. again, your highlight. My my little highlight is a is a is a fight as well. I actually it was a really fun little one with Spectre where um they've been camping KVP for a while. So what we wanted to do was kind of send a message and be like, "Yo, this our town now, bitch." So we went in there with like, oh, it was it was like the tiniest room. It was like uh four or five dudes in armor battleships with like some support like a Loki and a Phobos, and we obviously had triage on standby. The thing that made this fight super special for me is that Vishnagradsky was using my uh, Phobos, which I've had since 2011. It's one of the one of the main ships I wanted to fly when I was a very new pilot, and it was a ship that I kind of had a lot of love for. I'd learned to FC in it. I had over 100, like, I would have had over 100 kill marks if kill marks existed back then. You know, it's still, if you go and look at my, like, all-time kills, it's still up there because of how many kills I got in that ship. So who is flying my favorite ship in this fleet? And I was flying someone else's Vindicator, but I couldn't use the guns, so I replaced it all with heavy newts, you know, as you do on a Vindicator. Of course. Because um, <laughs> we, we had a ton of backup in caps, uh, but the enemy didn't know. So we went in there, we turned off the Sinojammer, we went into their gang and we just started killing a couple of battle cruisers. Eventually, we dropped in our forks. That was fine. And then they counter dropped with like three carriers and two dreads. So we just dropped the hammer back and bring in six dreads. And like, it was just this like so very slow, long, drawn out fight. It was, it was the weirdest fight I've ever been in where we both kind of knew that the other had more, but neither one was going to put it onto the grid before the other person showed. So we were just sitting there eyeing each other up, and we were like slowly killing a couple of Brutixes, and they were bringing in more and more to try and force us to commit before they did. But they eventually, I think, got to the point where they thought, okay, they really don't have anything. We're going to drop in our stuff and get more pressure on them. And that was when my Phobos finally died, because Vishnagradsky didn't cycle down his fucking Hicksgram fast enough. So he got killed by like tw- ten battle cruisers with triage on grid, and I was I was so sad. Uh, yeah, but then we got some dank frags, so it was all good. But yeah, like a, a tiny little fight, but a microcosm of what's fun and Eve. And the best part was it was all with like my court mates. Oh, that's great! Almost entirely just a court roam. Like we had a couple of other CBA dudes tag along. It wasn't a big presence. Yeah, and Rogue Venom. It was just chill. I, I, I've just been loving doing this with my court so much. Artemis? My highlight is not a fight. Um, it's more of, for a long time in EVE, the reason I've been playing EVE is for the adrenaline rush of fights and fleets and things. And I'm sort of settling back into the point where I can play Eve for fun outside of those seeking those high adrenaline situations. And the way I do it is I just scan for through wormholes for hunting targets or I rat on my alts and Pravi and watch The Wire or some other Netflix series. And like, I know I rag on ratters and miners a lot. 
but I'm sort of rediscovering how much fun it is to just play EVE, be productive to some end goal in EVE, which I know the benefits from in the future, and generically just have a chill night. It's fantastic. And I'm rediscovering how much fun it is. I'm glad to hear that. Awesome. All right. So heads of decorations. So oh, we're actually yeah. been having just a ton of fun in game. How fucking weird is that? We need to get that bit of that status rescinded. I, I yeah, I don't know that I've ever really been a bitter vet. I've almost quit, but <laughs> I don't think I was like a true bitter vet. But yeah, man, it's a good it's a good time to be playing. There's a lot of shit going on. Yeah, like all over the place, really. Too. I'm I'm just in yeah. Pretty exciting stuff. All right, guys. Head to decorationsword.com to participate in our show poll. Let us know if Citadel should be wrappable. And leave a comment on this episode. Uh, speaking of the Great Wildlands Coalition and all that good stuff that's happening, Ethereum Reach, Great Wildlands, Scalding Pass, where all the action is, uh, go, go to our public chat, Capitalist Chat. The Capitalist Army is recruiting. We can use a few good people. Uh, we need PVPers. We need miners. Um... We've got FCs in U.S. and European time zones now, multiple. Uh, pretty pretty good time to join. We're doing a lot of exciting stuff. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening around us that you get to participate in. We're also hanging out with Mercenary Coalition on the weekends. It's good times. Uh, so come hit us up. You can also email me. Uh, happy to answer any questions you've got wherever you are. Good hunting, listeners. <laughs>